I just think right now, women, especially in business, this is the year of women. I just know that. Life begins at 150 grand a year. Life gets better at 250, and life gets real good at 500. Nobody can tell me differently on it. When you start teaching something, I feel like that's when you start to master the actual art of it. You and I, when we publish a book, we can go toe-to-toe with any of the New York trade publishers, any of the big-time authors. We get to compete in that marketplace and then let the market decide whether our stuff is good. People forget sometimes as an entrepreneur, the whole damn point of entrepreneurship is to make money. And now here is The Win with your hostess, serial entrepreneur, marketeer, and chief sexy boss. Heather Havenwood. Are you a business owner that has a website but not tech savvy? Do you feel like a hostage to your web guy? The better question is, do you have a money funnel so people come to your page and give you money while you sleep? No? The go watch free video at heathermakesyoumoney.com. Imagine having a money site, not a website, for your self-published book, e-commerce products, local practitioners like chiropractors or lawyers. Get a money site, not a website. Go watch free video at heathermakesyoumoney.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Win with Heather Havenwood. You can check me out on iHeartRadio, Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. So I'm excited to have a little bad A girl on my interview today, which I'm totally, I say badass. I can say badass. It's my own show, right? So badass um, on uh, the win today. I'm very excited to interview Tiana. Are you on the line? Yes, ma'am. I am here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for thank you for that. Okay, so I want to introduce you. And while I'm introducing you, go and do your thing on the Facebook and share it. So I want to introduce everybody to who Tiana is. Tiana Sanchez is a best-selling author of Effed Up, the upside of failure and motivational speaker. As CEO of Tiana Sanchez International, she partners with growing businesses to foster a more confident and competent workforce in the new economy by way of books, action-inspired talks, and content-rich workshops. For over a decade, Tiana has served as a corporate trainer and business consultant with specific expertise in leadership development, optimal team building, executive coach, and facilitation. Okay, so we have a lot to talk about, which I'm very excited to interview you. You interview me first on your show and your podcast. Share with the audience what your show and your podcast is. Yeah, so thank you so much, Heather, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, to be considered a bad, I'll leave the A. I'll let you do that. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so my show, it's so cool because it's called Like a Real Boss. And I know you're the sexy boss lady. So mine is Like a Real Boss, and it's really for managers. It's kind of a fun way to get managers and leaders of today uh, really excited and energized about leading. And it's for passionate workers. We interview guests. We talk about topics that really pertain to the life of a boss, right? The boss lane. It's not easy to to navigate. And so it's something that we started doing this year and it's the feedback has been great so far. So the response is there. It's good. And in that, because we talked about this a little bit on your podcast, the boss lane, that's a great like visual, right? Like the boss lane, the moment you become from employee to just the boss lane of the, if you have somebody employee technically in status level, but you're the boss, you're responsible for so much more. And right. where do you find that people nowadays really kind of want to call it trip up, right, in that process? Because let me just say from why I'm asking from, I don't feel, my view, that people are not taught leadership skills in school. 
Like they are not, unless they were in some, some kind of sports and had a really good coach to teach them some kind of leadership. They're not taught how to lead. They're taught how to follow, follow the teacher, right. follow the coach, follow the lead, follow, follow, follow. And then they're put in positions where they have to learn to lead. So in your experience, where do you find, do you find the people trip up in that arena and, and, and where can you, can you talk about that? Oh my gosh. Like you just hit the nail on the head and it is so prevalent because I was like, ding, 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 ding. She got it because it does happen. There's actually 82% of managers are a miscast. And if you think of miscast, think of like, okay, an actor or an actress, you go for a casting call, right? And you get a part. Well, yeah. 82% of people that get that part are, are not fit for that role. So 82% of managers are miscast. And here's what I find, Heather, is like, okay, I'm a sales rep and, you know, I did really good, hit my numbers, made a great commission. First year, two years, I'm hitting it out of the park. All of a sudden, my boss comes to me and say, hey, you're doing really good. I see those numbers. How would you like to be a manager? Well, it's a different skill set to go from sales rep to manager of sales, right? Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes we make the mistake and we put people in these positions too early and they haven't yet developed the skills to really lead and manage effectively. And so what happens is you get turnover, you get poor performance, you get absenteeism from the employee because they don't mm -hmm. like their boss, they don't show up. And right. you get these, these gung-ho excited sales reps turned managers that now hate their job. Whereas once they loved it, now in a manager role, they're totally disengaged. This is what I do. This is what I love because I started off as a manager so early in my career and I had to learn this stuff. It wasn't easy. No, it wasn't easy. You know, it's interesting you say that. Uh, the, I didn't know that the percentage was that high in yes. this casting. I mean, I don't, my corporate world was small. I'm not going to, you know, time frame. It's only about six years. Okay. So I don't have that extent like you do, but I right. can say from the top that, and I was in sales environment and exactly yes. what you just said, the top right. sales guy got pulled up and he was like a sales guy. He's just a sales guy. You know what I mean? And so we're going to him for all these management stuff. And he's like, it's all good. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we were like, uh, you need to like help us do this thing that we can't do, whatever it was, right? And I remember thinking to myself, how did that happen? You know, why do they pull up from the sales for sales manager? Why are they not building out, let's just say, structures to to basically pull in leaders? I didn't see leadership development in corporate. This is a huge corporation, by the way. This is SBC Global. And what are they doing now for leadership? Are they doing anything? Are companies doing anything now for leadership growth and development? Let me let me tell you why that is. There's a couple of reasons why that happens. Number one, okay. there's a shortage of employees. And so you're just trying to fill, you're trying to put butts in seats. So the mistake that is made, well, the number one mistake that is made is that you have a turnover in the company or someone leaves. Maybe someone had, you know, went out of work on disability or what have you. Now you have this open slot. And yeah. you're trying to put butts in seats. That's one of the reasons. So we're going to promote this person that for, you know, all intents and purposes, he's a good employee. He or she's a good employee. So, yeah, they could probably do this job. So we're going to bump them up. The other reason is cost. Believe it or not, companies that have, and I know you just talked about, Heather, you know, a real large organization. But let's say on an average, companies that are very small, less than 1,000 employees, they only spend about, in terms of training, managers only get about 12 minutes of training for every six months. So if you think about 12 minutes, that's nothing. And so it's about investing the time and the money. People will spend money, and I say people, companies, 
We'll spend money on R&D, technology, but not so much when it comes to the people side of the business. So it's cost. It's I just need to put a butt in a seat, you know, temporarily are some of the reasons why, you know, people do that. They don't use a lot of tools to help them. So one of the tools that I've used are assessments. Assessments are great. They're not the end all. They're not the holy grail, but they are great at helping you to pinpoint and illuminate those learning gaps and making sure that you find the right fit. And one of the assessments I use, it actually tells you when there's a mismatch. So there you go. <laughs> so it's an assessment, like a, like a survey, or is it more like a questionnaire? What, tell us more about the assessment. That's interesting. Yeah. So there's a ton of assessments out there. You probably have done one yourself, Heather. One oh, of the, mo the most common ones is the Myers-Briggs, right? Oh, yeah. 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 You remember that, right? I'm a flipper between <laughs> I and E. Like I take yes. it, I'm an E, and then I take it, then I'm an I, and then take it, then I'm an E, and then I take it, I, so I'm a flipper. Gotcha. Yeah. It's funny because it, no matter what side of the coin you are on, what they say is that that's typically that's more of your preference. So Myers-Briggs is like a preference type of an assessment. We're born with these innate preferences, and it kind of puts yeah. us into these this box. DISC is another one that a lot of people, probably your listeners, have heard of. One of my favorites is done by a company called Professionals or Profiles International, and they call it what they a total person approach. And so it takes a whole person and it measures them on their thinking style, their behavioral traits, and their occupational interests. So wouldn't it be helpful to know if the person you're putting in the position has an occupational interest that matches the company? Like you want to know that up front, I think, right? Yeah. So it kind of you you measure these things. And then what's cool is if a company uses this, they can benchmark it. They can use it as a tool, take their top tier sales performers or sales managers and say, hey, I'm going to put you through this assessment. It's going to kind of tell us we're here in ABC Corporation, not down the street at XYZ Corporation, but ABC Corporation, what a successful sales manager looks like. And when we hire people or we interview mm -hmm. them, we give them this assessment. And now we have a benchmark to see What's their template of success? How likely are they? So companies that take that approach really understand the magnitude of how, if you, if you don't, you're going to get a miscast and that's going to cost you money. That's interesting. Okay. So just listeners explaining what she just said, right? So taking the top percent of a particular position, giving them a particular assessment, and then using it as a benchmark for future hiring. Smart. I mean, right. you know, I actually never right. heard of that. And it makes sense. <laughs> it makes total sense. So I'm curious for you, so what do you do now? Are you doing out there doing, hey, we do leadership training? Before you answer that question, a couple of years ago, I think things are changing now. We're talking 2016. Things are changing. Companies pulled back on training a lot. Like they just cut dollars. So are you finding now, are companies now willing to spend money to enhance their people? Or are they still kind of like, no, we're not going to do that? Ironically, it's actually... There's work out there for me. Let me put it to you that way. I feel as though sometimes I'm in a recession-proof field because there's always, always a need to train and develop your people. That's never, ever, ever going to go away. But to your point, are companies spending the money to be able to do that? And I'm finding that, yes. Be the boss of your life. You're listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Have you ever wanted to stop swapping your time for money? Ever wanted to leverage your expertise by selling your knowledge to hundreds of people? I call that smart. And now you can easily and effortlessly, without a web guy, create memberships, online courses, coaching programs. Go to heatherhavenwood.com forward slash thinkific. Start making money off what you know today. 
Go to heatherhavenwood.com forward slash thinkific. Be the boss of your life. You're listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Ironically, I had a lot of nonprofit organizations as clients, Mm -hmm. Heather, and you would think nonprofit. Well, they don't really have a lot of money to spare, but they recognize that, hey, we, we need to make sure that our people are trained as well as a corporate organization. So yes, they are spending money, but they're doing it with some versatile training. So they're using hybrid approach. And what I mean by that is they're doing a little bit of in-person and they're doing some e-learning because companies are global. So they're, you know, there's a guy you know, in China or someone in New York and they want this training, well, the platform of e-learning is, is attractive for them and it's a lot more cost effective. So right. they are finding ways to meet their employees where they are by looking at, okay, is live in person, is a webinar, seminar style best, or maybe, right. you know, some e-learning. So it's a, what I call like kind of a hybrid approach and e-learning is a lot more cost effective So companies are, if they're spending any money, they will probably opt to go that route. Me personally, I'm in person, I'm live all day long because that's the richness. When you have people in a group and you're brainstorming, you're piggybacking off of one another, you're learning, you're doing business cases. That for me, there's just no replacement for that, but I offer it all. So I do e-learning as well. Interesting. So that's so. I, I guess I'm a, I'm a baby of the '80s. <laughs> I mean, God. So am I. <laughs> you, okay. So yeah. I, I feel like there was like a resurgence, you know, happening in the '80s. You know what I mean? With Tony Robbins and Jim Rohn and like, you know, right. Zig Ziglar, and everyone was doing training, and they were going to large seminars and they'd have events, and that's how Tony Robbins made a ton of his money. Right. Go to different places in, in the country, towns, and cities. And he would send staff there a couple of weeks before. And their job was to literally knock on doors and businesses and say, hey, we're having this training event. Tony's coming to town or whomever. We want you to come. We're giving you mass discounts for the team. You know, they were selling to a company. And so they would have rows and rows of companies come with 10, 15, 20 people. That's how he made his right. money was tapping mm-hmm. into the small businesses. I don't see that happening now. I don't, I don't know if it is. I really don't. I just haven't seen it in years. So I'm curious like how the industry, and I'm kind of asking more about business industry, but yeah. where is the industry going from a leadership training perspective, as well as to the small and medium-sized companies? I think the landscape of business has changed so much, mm-hmm. you know? And the right. other question right. I have that to piggyback is I don't think Apple is like Apple and Microsoft are using industry leadership training. They just have this like free flow of like, you're a millennial. Do what you mm. want to do. You know what I mean? And I'm like, every time I come across a millennial, very silent. Yeah. Anyway, going back to that. So what do you think is no, going to no, landscape? Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's interesting because it has changed. And uh, there are those seminars and webinars. I kind of find it's a little silo. Like when if you're not in the training and development or professional training industry, you yeah. find that like the buzzwords and the phrases and the, ter- and you know, things are up and coming and new. A lot of people just aren't familiar with that, but it is going on. There's wonderful organizations like ATD, which is Association for Training and Development. They do phenomenal programs. They actually do free webcasts, which is great. There's what I got involved in is an organization, is the Society of Human Resource Management, which really all organizations, if you're an HR professional, you're part of this organization and they provide training, they provide in-person, they provide webinars and all of this wonderful stuff. There are kind of sidebar events like leadership conferences that still go on. And you know, there's a hundred of those, right? 
So it's now not that they're not being offered, but here's the thing, Heather, everyone's trying to up level. Everyone's trying to outdo the other person. Everyone's trying to come up with that next big, what's this new training process, this new technology of how we can, you know, maybe I, I wouldn't even be surprised if someone came up with some virtual reality training module, which actually is not a bad idea, by the way, you know, put on these goggles and now you're immersed into the training environment. Yeah. I'm telling you, everyone's trying to kind of up level because technology changes everything that we do. And it, it is not void of any industry, right? It yeah. does not take sides. Technology impacts every industry. So it still does happen. There's still training that's happening. Is it aggressive? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Again, in my industry, I feel like there's business enough for everyone. I feel yeah. that you have to be very targeted and specific as who you're serving. And, mm -hmm. and again, being so my lane typically is working with bosses. I could easily have to say, I want to do staff training. I want to do, you know, consulting. And I do, I do executive coaching and consulting as well. One of my sweet spots, though, is the management training. That's what I do. I tend to work with companies less than 1,000 employees. I could work with companies more than 1,000 employees, but I find that to be my sweet spot and my niche. So you have to be very targeted. And I think when you do that, you start connecting to those right businesses, small businesses, growing, mature businesses, and startups as well. Startups is an interesting one, though. Yeah. yeah so before you go into startups, because I'm actually want to go down that road real quick, is that what I call, um, I call it human to human. Now you talked a lot about technology and that things, technology has changed. Of course it's changed. Mm -hmm. But right. my pushback to that is I don't think humans have changed much. And mm. I talk about that. Like we as human beings haven't altered as much. We might look differently, like the things we have and the places we live and the technology we use, but human to human interaction, we still have the same mm -hmm. feelings, desires, why we buy, why we get mad, why we get triggered, why we don't like our boss. That hasn't changed for generational, right. probably back to the mm -hmm. biblical times. That's why you can open the Bible and read a story in the Bible can actually understand it. You can get it right. from a human being perspective, right? So I have a question of in leadership training, do you feel you're dealing with more technology or dealing with more communication to human to human? What do you think is the big gap now that technology is so prevalent, is there a bigger mm -hmm. gap in communications or is that getting is that getting tighter? Communication, I would say face-to-face -face, or I, let's say human-to-human -human communication is always a big challenge. And, and, and let me make sure that I understand just in terms of a, of a leader and learning how to lead effectively, that part of it just taking, and I say it this way, if you, if you don't have a degree in psychology or, uh, or you're a licensed psychology that studies human behavior, we are all ill-equipped to manage somebody else, to be quite honest with you. So That's I say that it, it so is because humans are way too complex to really go in one month of training, come out, oh, I'm ready to manage somebody. No, you're not. And so I say this all the time, and I even think about the 10,000-hour rule, and I'm sure you've heard of the 10,000-hour rule. And it's like, well, it would take a manager almost four to five years to get that amount of experience to be a master, right? But yet we throw them in that role. So does techno technology helps the facilitator, helps the leader to be able to offer the services and reach the masses, I guess would be yeah. a better way, as opposed to just, I can go down the street and drive there because it's close to my home and do a training. I can now reach someone who's in New York City with technology and give them the same experience, right? Yeah. And I will say this, and this is, this is, in my experience, I honestly, I think the quality of our facilitators and training 
is going down. And I'll say that because we have a lot of old school facilitators. I'm talking old schools. We'll say seasoned. I won't say anything about age. We'll say seasoned that are stuck in their ways that are not trying new things to reach the individual. So maybe their behaviors haven't changed. I, I still get upset when my boss does this, but you have to be creative in, in helping them understand those emotions and those feelings and how to navigate through them. And sometimes that does take the use of technology. Sometimes that takes the use of research. I do a lot of study in this area because this is my field. I got to know what's going on. So I, I hear what you're saying. I think for us and for me, I use technology as a vehicle. I don't use it as the end all. But if I can reach someone in New York City who needs an executive coach and I know that I am qualified and then I have something unique and different that I can help them, why wouldn't I want to help them? And technology can help me do that as opposed to get on a flight, you know, every other week. Be the boss of your life. You're listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Our whole world revolves around our smartphones now. You know they say we look at our phones on an average of 150 times a day or more. Look, if you're a small business and want to grow, you need to reach people where they're looking the most. They're smartphones. So text the word START to 72000 now to learn more from our friends at Mobit or go to heatherhavenwood.com forward slash Mobit. Again, text the word START to 72000 now. Be the boss of your life. You're listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. You know, it's interesting talking from experience of my own, of a, a story, and that is I'm finding that if there's a conflict, let's just say there's a mm-hmm. conflict, and the two people are in different states or countries for that matter, they right. try mm-hmm. to work it out nowadays via mm-hmm. email <laughs> or, or via chat. You grew up in the 80s. I did too. We're, right. What we call, right. we're the, the sandwich generation because okay. we're not a boomer, right? right? And we're not a millennial with us, like sandwich generation. We're also the smallest generation, actually. We're the smallest really? generation. Yeah, we are. But, you know, I grew up in the 80s where technology still wasn't really around yet, right? I didn't, right. I didn't, grow, up with right. A, I didn't grow up with an iPhone in my hand as a baby. I was taught to deal with conflict like you and me, you know what I mean? Like, let's work this out versus like, right. let's Skype chat anger. And I'm finding right, right, right. in communication, I'm just curious if you're, if you deal with this as a leadership trend, because you have people, you have right. companies that are scattered. They're not in one yep. little, like, yeah. Do you deal with that at all? And how do you, how do you help them through that? No, the two biggest things that actually come up when I do initial meeting and the conversation and ask, Hey, what's the biggest challenge? What, what do you have? It's communication and it's trust. Communication is a little bit more obvious than trust, although they do go together hand in hand, so to speak. So there you can't have effective communication if you don't first have trust. But communication is one of the biggest conversations or training that I have done and that I do when it comes to leadership. I think people are so concerned about repercussions that they don't want to speak up. I think people are, you know, especially in an organization when things are growing. And even now, I did a, a show recently about racism in the workplace. And I was surprised to know that a lot of that gets underreported. And I said, well, it could possibly be from repercussions. So there's all of these different things that could happen that could prevent someone from wanting to communicate, wanting to speak up. Oh, this person's going to go to the HR on me, which happens, right? HR people are so overwhelmed with the amount of things that come through the door, but I agree with you. But here's a question I have back to you. How did you learn how to resolve that conflict? 
Was it taught in the home? Was it taught because you played a sport because you were the head of, you know, uh, you know, team? where did you learn that? There's a great article that I read years ago, and it was in a parenting magazine of all places. And, you know, my thought on failure, my book effed up. And it was talking about how children that don't learn failure early on, in a nutshell, it messes them up later, right, in life. It F's when them you, up, right? when you, Yep, it Fs them up, right, exactly. You get a gold star for everything. Oh, your team didn't win, but, you know, yay. You have to be able to, to get those lessons early on. And so I think if you're not taught how to, commu- how to deal with conflict early on, just in the home setting or at school, yeah. in, in classrooms with teachers, right, how do they deal with conflict? So we learn sometimes how to deal with those things differently now, right? We have to be mindful of bullying. If I say this to so-and-so, is he going to feel that I'm bullying him? And by no means am I diminishing bullying because that's a real thing and it does happen. So communication is absolutely one of the biggest challenges that happen in the organization. It's from the top down, though. It's communication at the top level, though, as well. Mm-hmm. And it's communication just, you know, on the front line. So you, know, you, you brought up something very important, which is why I named it the win, which is about mm-hmm. winning in life. But I always talk about you cannot win in life. This is my view. You cannot win in life until you give yourself 100 percent license to fail. It's only then right. you can give yourself 100 percent license to succeed. And I had to learn that lesson through life. I went through massive right. bankruptcy and I remember a friend of mine who I was in tears and, you know, he's a successful guy. He's definitely not a consoling sweet guy. Like he wasn't saying it's okay, honey. I think he was kind of like, what are you perking up? You know what I mean? Um, and <laughs> he, he made me fill out this little piece of paper and he said, you know, write your name and then say, I give myself full license to fail. And I could barely write, you know, I'm wow. like, I'm tearing up and I'm like, because what I got out of that and he shared was like from the first grade, what were we taught? Don't fail. You can't go to second. Your friend Betsy can't, you're not going to go with your friend Betsy. It's don't fail, don't fail, don't fail, don't fail. And it's just like, just pass, just pass. Don't worry about winning, just just pass. And so it's kind of this ingrained. Now I know it's even worse than the millennials. I know that. But I was taught, you know, the failing for me, I did learn a lot in dance. I was in certain sports. So I did learn. But in the world of life, I always was a winner. You know what I mean? Like I just mm-hmm. won. So when I failed, it was traumatic for me. It was massively traumatic. The fact that I came out with my book talking about it was mm-hmm. way more even traumatic for me because it was public failure, right? The word public right. failure on top of that. So I find it interesting that you said that. I agree with you. I think that, and I wanted to ask you this question. You're a parent of like, what do you call it? What's the generation Z, I think. Yes, um, both. My children are back here on the wall. <laughs> there they are, <laughs> a little picture. So what are, what are you finding in parenting? Do you find that leadership training is a lot like teaching parenting? <laughs> yes, very, very much so. And it's okay. so funny that every opportunity. So my son, because we talked about podcasts, right? So my son is my editor. He's in college, first year in college. So he does my edits for my podcast and I work with him. I appreciate the effort that he does. And so I I make sure it's all great. But when it comes to delivery day, it's not always on time. And so I have to remind myself, okay, how would I address this if he were, you know, because he's my employee, right? How would I address this to make sure? And I'm not always as patient as one might think in the training role. So when I have my leader hat on and my manager hat or back in the day, I felt I was much more effective as a parent. I'm biased, right? And so I even have to check myself. I've said this for years. It is very much like parenting. When you think you've explained enough, you have not. You have to explain more. You have to provide detail. You have to be an empathetic listener. 
you have to do what I call have a compassionate probe. And that means asking questions compassionately, not looking for judgment or looking to solve a problem, but really listening. Mm -hmm. And that we don't always do. Being an intentional coach, I have a seven-year-old who I have to sit down with sometimes and, and, you know, talk to him and I ask him questions. He actually has a better than the older one because he was, he was the sample child. You know, he was the first child, my 18 year old. <laughs> so he got a lot of it, but now the seven year old big age difference. So I've learned and I'm much more patient. I ask questions. Tell me, why did you, why did you decide to do it this way instead of that way? Well, how did that make you feel? Well, what if we try it this way? Can we do that? Can we try it this way? And I'll ask him these questions and I'm letting him get to that discovery. I'm letting him essentially make that decision. And that's what you want to do in the leadership room. As a manager, I want to get my employee to a place where really almost at some point, they're not reliant on me solely, that they can make a decision. I want to empower them. I want them to be able to, what I get, there's four stages of my methodology when I work with clients, Heather. It's assess, train, coach, and self-mastery. And the self-mastery stage is where you are self-initiated, you're self-motivated that I have my coach, I know they're there, but I don't necessarily need them, but I kind of, I'm in the mindset of what will my coach tell me? What kind of questions might he or she ask me? And so now I'm, I'm mastering this place where I can do it on my own, that I don't have to be reliant, that I have a little bit more of independence as an individual. And so it is so much like parenting the good side, you know, and the bad side when you have to, when someone doesn't show up and you have to, yeah, and you have to let somebody go. You can't let your kids go though. That is the big difference. They are attached to you by the hip. I let them go. I send them maybe to the rooms. Like you gotta, you gotta go. Like, mommy needs you gotta to go. Think. You're fired. You're fired for I the need day. To You're fired. I know. It's so funny. This almost happened the other day because my son did not send my podcast, one that I did recently on time. And I was drafting an email. Just like you said, the communication through email. I'm so guilty of that this week. I'm typing the email and I typed it one sentence. I was like, okay, this is the last time that I'm sending this to you because you obviously can get this. And it was out of emotion. And I deleted it because I knew better. I deleted, but I had to get it out. I deleted it and I wrote a little different and it came out better and he ended up delivering. But I know I have work to do. I didn't give him a questionnaire or an assessment. I don't know if he's a good fit. <laughs> But he's my child and I'm working with him. So does that mean I could give like an assessment to my fiance? Like I need to give you an assessment to see if you're good for me as a partner. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Be like, what? That's funny. Well, it's true though. And I understand what you're saying. It comes off an emotional when you deal with conflict, yeah. especially when you're firing people or letting right. them go. And I, you know, I have this kind of fun story. I was traveling with a team when I was in the seminar world and it was a team where it gets, it gets tight knit because you're traveling with them every single day and you're right. eating with lunch, brunch, and dinner. And you're having, you know, you literally pretty much live with them except you go to your summer hotel rooms and that's pretty much it for a couple hours. He's at the front of the room, our main speaker, and there was two of us in the back. And every so often he would say something in the front of the room because we're not really listening to the front of the room because we're dealing with the back stuff. And he would just like yell out, that's it. Heather and Angela are fired. And we were just like, and the first time he did it, I was like, he just fired me from the front of the room and the whole, the whole room, like it was 150 people all like turned around, like you're in trouble. And I'm like, what, you know? And I'm like kind of tearing up, like, what are right. you doing? And then of course, Angel's like, yeah, that's just, he does, just, he'll do, just wait. And then all of a sudden he's like, okay, I'll hire you back. All right, I'll hire you back. You're back. You're back. And I was like, what? It was just, you know, but sometimes but you have to do that. your heart was pounding. Your heart was pounding for those first like, 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he did, he did wake me up. He was like, y'all aren't paying attention back there. I'm like, well, I now be listening to you. So what do you need? <laughs> you know, so I didn't want to get fired. Perked up. Yeah, right. 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 Perked up. 
Well, I want to wrap this up, but at the same time, I wanted people, where can people find you? Can they hire you? Are you a coach, executive coach? And where can they find your book? I want you to repeat your book as well. But before you do that, what were the four pillars? Because you said them like super fast. I think they are good. Be the boss of your life. You're listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Are you over 45, 60? Are you relying on the traditional medical field to help you feel great and get you back to a balanced body? Good luck with that. At e2lab.com, Dr. Don Salio got sick of people complaining about bloating, inflammation, and feeling sluggish. He has created unique, potent, and powerful non-pharmaceutical supplements to help the body rebalance, detox, and get back to being healthy. Go to e2lab.com, getting you back to healthy and balanced. Be the boss of your life. You're listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. So my methodology that I use in my business from years of experience, and I have over 15 years of experience, is I assess first. We do training. We do coaching. And then there's self-mastery. Those are kind of my four steps that whenever I work with a client, we go through that so they understand here's where I want to take your employees. And so it's more of a process in that kind of initial conversation, but usually every program, Heather, that I build out will include those four pillars in the Mm -hmm. program because you got to do all four, in my opinion. I find those to be the most effective. Yeah. So if you want to get a hold of me, you can reach out to me at info at nolimittoyoursuccess.com. That's the number two, that's email address, or you can just visit my website at www.nolimit, the number two, uh, nolimittoyoursuccess.com. So you can find me there, get a little bit more information about me. And yes, um, you can book me. I speak, I'm an author and look at what we have here. A copy of the book just happened to be handy. <laughs> just happened to be handy, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, there it is. Yes. Up, the Upside of Failure. First of all, I love your the title, but it's so true about failure. I really believe that. Mm-hmm. That kids today, and you know, I don't have a I don't have a child, but I hear about it. Heather giving like right. participation trophies. I did not get a participation trophy. Like if we didn't win, we didn't win. Like we left right. empty-handed. Right. And I think that's a big problem. So I absolutely love it. And who is this Who is this book for? What's the audience for this book? Yeah, so this, uh, this audience is actually for young adults. It was designed for young adults and emerging leaders, although anybody can get it. I've sold it at conferences and doing training programs because even though adults, we kind of know this, we don't always act this out. But millennials and young adults absolutely don't know this because they look at what's on TV. They see the celebrities and like, ooh, I want to come out the gate and I should have this. I should be succeeding. I should be doing this X, Y, and Z. And you have, you don't even have any skin in the game yet. You haven't even, you know, got your your feet wet. And so this really helps them because guaranteed they're going to be in for a wake up call because they're going to fall flat on their face and they're going to be devastated and they're not going to know what the heck to do. And so this book really helps them in a fun way. So there's some, some great stories in there. There's some personal experiences. It's very short. And the cool thing is after every chapter, I give you a link that you can go and watch a video about me diving a little bit more into this. And so there's some really neat things on the website. You'll see that there as well. So my specialty, again, working with all of it is about training and development through books, through leadership programs. I typically enjoy working with companies in any industry, usually less than a thousand employees and working with individuals that need more training for their managers that really need yeah. to up level, right? We talk about leveling up. Leveling um, up. And so that's what I do. And, and I'm so grateful that you have me on your show. And I do want to leave a quote that I always leave, which is everyone yes. wants to succeed. Everyone wants to succeed, but not everyone is willing 
or able or motivated to do that. And so my thing is, if you're willing, I will help you do your work. If you're willing, I'll help you do your work. That's nice. I like that. And you're right. I think we have to look at our in ourselves and figure out, you know, are we willing to do the work? Right? right. Are you willing to, to actually have that no limit? So you can check out Tiana at no limit to your success.com. That's no limit to number two, your success.com. So thank you so much for being here on Facebook Live thank on The you. Win with Heather Havenwood. Guys, you can find me on iTunes. You can find me on Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. And of course, heatherhavenwood.com forward slash Facebook. All right, everyone, this is Heather Havenwood to another session. Welcome to another edition of Heather Highlight. Here at The Win, I get to ask the experts about themselves, their stories, their views. And in this Heather Highlight, I am interviewed and probed about my story, successes and failures. So enjoy. So let's talk a little bit um, about what we brought you on the program here for today. And yeah. so let's just start with your book. Um, right away, the, the title of your book is kind of unique, Sexy Boss. So what does that mean to you? So what that means to me is I have to kind of bring you back. Back in 2008 and nine, I had a business in 2005 and six, and then it basically crashed. And I went through a massive bankruptcy. Um, and so I lost everything, house, everything, right? So I really had to re- figure out who I was as a person, as a woman, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, like who was that? And I took about two or three years to what I call go in deep or go in the desert and try to figure that out. And around in 2009, I had a dear friend of mine, I'm in Vegas, we're having a salad and he looks over at me and goes, you're kind of like a, a sexy boss. And I was like, what does that mean? He's like, well, you're owning who you are as a woman and the femininity, and then you're a boss, meaning you're the, you are beginning to own all areas of your life and being fully responsible for all areas of your life. And that's what that word means to me. It's man, woman, it doesn't matter. It's being able to be into your own energy fully and being fully responsible for every area of your life. And that's what I call true power. And that's what I call being a sexy boss. Got it. So for some of our maybe international uh, listeners, this is, you know, kind of a common as in, you know, we can use that term in not a derogatory way or even a sexist way. I think it's really a term uh, is a colloquial Western term that we use very much for empowerment that we can really come into our own. So, you know, congratulations for stepping into to that role. Thank so you. thank you. It's really what it is. I mean, it's really stepping into our full power. And as females, we are, you know, there's a sometimes a derogatory term even in the Western world. So it's owning all areas of our life and kind of creating a new way of being, right? So, and I do understand that some people have a, a negative terminology and adding those two words together, uh, but I'm really wanting to create a new a way of thinking about it, you know, a new way of thinking about it. And actually when I tell people, you know, you, who you are for me is a sexy boss. There's kind of like a spark to them like, Oh, thanks. You know? And so mm. that's what I want that empowerment in oneself. Right. Now, let me just, you know, th this is just kind of off script here, but what would you say if a man would take on that same title, yeah. do you think it would be interpreted the same way? No, not at all. I, I call men all the time, sexy boss studs, and they're like, and they, they love that, you know? In the Western world, we call that a charismatic guy. I mean, think about uh, 007, which is a movie, you know, 007, right. years and years of 007. He walks in with the tuxedo, and we're like, who's that? I mean, it's very, ooh, attractive, you know? We call that a, a successful, charismatic man, right? And then a woman comes in the room, and we're like, who's that? Then there's like a negative connotation, and that's what I really want to shift. 
And that was a Heather highlight for the entire interview. Check out the link in the show notes. Thank you for listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Interested in coaching with Heather? Go to heatherhavenwood.com and sign up for a business discovery consultation. Here is your free gift for listening. Get three audio chapters of Heather's book, Sexy Boss, How Women Empowerment is Changing the Rulebook when you text the word sexy to 7200. Again, text the word sexy, that is S-E-X-Y, to 7200 and receive your three audiobook chapters. Number is good only in North America. This is a sexy boss rap. This podcast is a copyright of Havenwood Worldwide, LLC.